Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonics aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to the Sonics Flight Podcast. This is episode number 31, Prince Propellers. Whatever engine you have for your Sonics project, you're going to need a prop to go with it. There are several choices out there in different styles and materials and a few different major manufacturers available. But the ultimate goal is the same, and that's to get an efficient, durable, and good-looking prop for a reasonable price. And Prince Aircraft Company is one of the best-respected brands available for the Sonics. So we'll speak with Lonnie Prince, and we'll delve into the world of what I like to call creating speed out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonic's 1370 more. And joining me is John Gillis. Gary Motley is off tonight. He's got other obligations to attend to. John flies his Jabiru-powered YX. He's best known for his custom modifications, including his speed cowl and his tilt-back canopy. John's YX is, is pretty fast, and I think the Prince prop on the front end might have something to do with that. Uh, I think that's John's secret sauce there. John, uh, how's it going? Oh, we're doing really good here. So I know you're not going to give up all the secrets, but uh, would you say that the Prince prop is part of the secret to your fastest YX in Colorado claim? Uh, yeah, because I, I go head-to-head with, um, with Mike Neenthal in his Sonics, and he has the same Prince prop on his uh, conventional. And yeah, I have to throttle back to stay with Mike, but not much. I don't let him know that, but um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll chat over the radio and, and talk about RPMs that we're turning. And I'm always, you know, at least a hundred RPMs lower than him when he reports it. Cause I make him report first. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way to do it. You know, it's, it's um, no matter what he's got, you know, you're always going to edge him out just a little bit. Yeah, so you know he's turning twenty eight hundred RPM, and I'm holding with him. I said, you know, I'm just just pushing over twenty seven hundred RPM. You know, Mike, it must be those those uh, wheel pants. <laughs> well, it's the ten percent rule. It only has to be ten percent true to be a to be a good aviation story. Well, and of course, when we're flying with you, Jeff, with your Sension Edge, it's uh, two hundred RPM. Yeah, I've noticed that. I you seem to be picking on me. I uh, I, I never want to be the guy on the radio to be to call out, hey, uh, could you guys slow down? I'm uh, I'm flogging this thing pretty good, but but I can see you up there, sweat dripping down your brow, waiting for me to break first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all good fun. All right, so we're going to get into props here. I'm looking forward to tonight's discussion. So our guest today is founder and CEO of Prince Aircraft Company, and that's Lonnie Prince. Lonnie has been making props for all sorts of airplanes for something like 30 years. And Lonnie, jump in and correct me here in a second. Um, he's known for hitting the sweet spot really between price and performance. Lonnie is not the most expensive prop maker out there, um, but as a dollar for performance, I think you've got to be up there right amongst the best. Thank you. Yeah, we've been uh, building props now for, uh, gosh, since 1979. And uh, I keep buying toys. My wife says I'm going to have to build for quite a few more years. <laughs> that's the way you justify the new toys is oh no no i need yeah. this it's part of the business it's uh it's a tool for the hangar yes exactly <laughs> oh gosh 
before we jump into this, uh, I just want to say, Lonnie, thanks for coming on. Um, you've been a friend and supporter of Sonics uh, since the beginning, basically. Uh, your props have been on some of the very first Sonics that have been flying. So thanks for your support of the community over the years, and, and thanks again for taking some time to talk with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And when I say from the beginning, Tony Spitzer, he was the first customer Sonics to fly, and, and he's kind of a legend in the Sonics community, and uh, he's flying with one of your props, and that endorsement meant a lot. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, before we kick off the, the discussion on Prince Aircraft, let's hit some news real quick, John. So I, I flagged a couple of recent items here I want to run through. The first one showed up on the Sonics Builder forum, and then Sonics just had a press release on it. And that is Leroy Brandt just flew his recently rebuilt Sonics. He converted it from a legacy model to a B model. And with that completion, he flew it the other day. That makes him the first customer flying B model. So did you see that press release, John? I did see the press release. And I didn't realize that that was a conversion. I thought it was a uh, just a regular B model kit. I don't know the full details, but I believe there was uh, some sort of incident that caused him to go back and do a little bit of rework. If I, if I have the details straight here, he uh, removed his existing engine and also put on a UL power engine at the same time. Okay, so this is a fairly significant upgrade. Right, yeah. So not only going to the B model, but going with a brand new uh, engine. And, and that's got to be a, a fairly signif significant change going from his old to his new. Yeah, definitely. But it's good to see a B model flying, um, especially from the customer standpoint. So he, uh, just reading through his um, his flight report, and I'll put a link in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out. But he said um, it had good power and speed, and he talked about the speed was really good, even though he had to throttle the engine back during its five-hour initial break-in period. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I forget the exact speeds he was posting, but they looked like fine, respectable speeds, especially considering that this is not the big UL power engine. This is the 260 which is the 98-horsepower version, not the 130-horse engine. So if he's getting good, you know, 130-mile-an-hour speeds at reduced RPM with the small engine, that's a pretty good endorsement for the B-model airframe. Yeah, you know, the, the, the wider nose and everything had people kind of wondering, it, were, were we going to pay a penalty to have the bigger fuselage and, and a bigger, up, you know, forward projection? And clearly, it doesn't seem like it'd be an issue. Well, this is another good data point, and um, uh, he posted a picture on it. It looks great. I like the way that the nose kind of fares into the forward fuselage, and they, they round out the canopy. I'm kind of partial to that look myself, and I think it looks good. He did a great job. All right, another thing that I saw on Sonics recently is they're advertising their tail kit holiday promotion. And uh, that's kind of neat, you know, holiday discounts, uh, tail kits, great time to get started. Um, looking at the the dollars, um, depending on which model of tail kit you're going, it's from about $300 up to about 475 So that's a nice little incentive to go ahead and, and get started around the holidays. But the significant part, John, is that they're now offering Subsonics tail kits, and they're included in the in the holiday promotion. So what do you think? You think it's time to get Mike on board? Well, I think one of us needs to just bite the bullet and buy it. I mean, Sonics is is taking the line of the the drug dealers. You know, they're going to get us hooked with a little <laughs> bit of little bit of nose candy, and then um, once we're we're all in, then we're just going to do everything in our power to finish it out. Well, if all it takes is to push Mike over the edge, I'll buy the tail kit and I'll have it shipped directly to his house. 
Well, Mike's going to have to lose um, a significant part of his lifestyle to uh, to make that work. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't think he wants a second ex-wife. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm willing to cut him in on a on a very exclusive position in the club, and that is silent investor. So. There we, there we go. <laughs> we'll do the work. We'll, we'll maintain it. All he's got to do is write the check and go fly it every now and then. Uh-huh. You keep working on him. I think we're going to wear him down eventually. Oh, yeah. His, his eyes, uh, that last podcast we did on the subsonics, he's, uh, I think he's dreaming about it. Good, good. And, and a, lo- a local guy at our field is looking at one, too. So there might be another one here. Yeah, it's perfect. It's all coming together. That'd be funny if there would be four subsonics in Colorado, you know, yeah. something, something in the water out there. Well, that in the Air Force Academy helps, too, because those, all those uh, fighter jocks that are retiring and coming back to Colorado, are, uh, they, they're, they're jonesing to, to get back into a jet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, and then the final item that I saw, uh, Sonics is advertising that Avemco is now offering Sonics insurance. They've been talking with various insurance providers. And before, it was the EAA insurance program and First Flight Insurance. And now they've announced this new arrangement with Avonco. And it looks like it's going to be a fairly attractive option. Uh, some of the things that they I just kind of pulled out of the, the press release, Avonco will reimburse you for labor costs up to $15 per hour if something happens during your construction period. So if you have a, a construction uh, policy, they'll reimburse you for your labor, which has always been just sort of a, a, a gimme. Um, they have bodily injury and property damage liability that will extend after the sale for up to a year. So if you sell your airplane, you can maintain some liability while the new owner kind of gets comfortable and familiar with it. And then after a year, that goes away. But but then th- that gets the new owner past the, the spike in the danger zone. And then um, they're offering insurance for pilots down the road, so not the original builders. So second, third, fourth owner of the plane, uh, they're making it easy for those guys to get insured as well. And then lastly, and probably most significantly, Avonco is is offering, um, well, not offering, but they're accepting time and type. So if you go fly with another Sonics, even if it's not in a, in a plane getting dual instruction with the CFI, you just go fly with the Sonics buddy, log the time in your logbook, they'll accept that. Or they'll even take similarly handling airplanes. So go get in a light sport or an RV-12 or something like that, and they'll take that. And so that finds another way to resolve the lack of formal transition training right now, and that's to go get similar training on your own, and they'll accept that. So great options, great news to hear that. Yeah, I'm a... Um, my insurance will be coming up in uh, February, and I'm going to definitely, you know, get a quote from them on it since they're now accepting the Sonics. Yeah, I don't know what the policies are going to look like, but I, I kind of think that being a small market, I think the underwriters are, are probably going to be pretty close to each other. I, I don't really know that to be true, but um, if you can get some of these really nice-to-have perks on a price that's very competitive, yeah, that's a great option, so... Maybe when it's time to renew, it's worth going and, and shopping your policy again. Yeah, definitely I'll be doing that. All right, well, let's jump into the prop discussion. So, again, uh, Lonnie Prince is our guest. And, Lonnie, I'm going to turn it over to you. 
And what I'd like you to do is just kind of give us a little bit of your background, uh, help us better understand how you came up through aviation, and then how you really started a propeller manufacturing business. Um, and then <laughs> okay. maybe transition into kind of the early days of getting Prince Aircraft Company up and running. Well, my whole life has been as a sickness with aviation, as far as I can remember. Uh, as a kid, I built models and uh, done quite well. I competed and uh, beat all the old guys out, which old guys at that time were in their 20s, and uh, just excelled from there. Um, I worked at the local airport as a kid, trading time, uh, doing everything from painting to waxing airplanes uh, so I could trade for time. So as a 14-year-old, I was actually starting to work for my license. And uh, my parents moved to the very end of one of the runways at the airport, so that made it even better. And uh, almost all my time was spent there, so if my mother ever wanted me, all she had to do was call the airport and say, send Lonnie home. And uh, I built my first prop. I used a two-by-four, and I carved something that uh, had angles on it. I hooked it to a Briggs and Stratton on the back of my bicycle. So... Now I could just uh, go to the airport with my propeller, my motor, and my bike, and it would uh, save a lot of pedaling. And uh, in high school, I designed and built two hang gliders and flew them uh, when I was in shop class. And uh, Vietnam War was starting, so I was, uh, well, gosh, 16, 17 years old, and uh, uh, the draft was going, and uh, when I got to about 18 19, uh, I had a very high draft number, so I went down and joined the Air Force, uh, one of the best things that probably ever happened to me. And uh, while I was in the Air Force, I uh, built a KR-1 and uh, liked it so much I spent nine years, wanted to make a career of it. But I was in a command that uh, uh, allowed us to fly all over the world. Actually, it didn't allow us. They forced us to. So every 90 days, I was somewhere in the world for three months, and I just didn't want to raise a family that way. So I tried to cross-train into air traffic control, done all the testing, uh, everything that uh, I could find about air traffic, and uh, went over to the base office, and they wouldn't let me do it. So I decided to get out of the Air Force, and uh, Started a, a company that wasn't mine. I was just the first employee, but I'd done all the tooling and uh, work building and uh, blowing aircraft canopies out of plexiglass. And uh, that was uh, a pretty good business. Uh, we built a couple thousand canopies for KRs and uh, the Rutan projects going at the time and Mustang twos and all the hot airplanes uh, during that era. So I decided to... Uh, take the test, the FA test for traffic control. And uh, I passed it with 100. I think it's the first time I've ever got 100 on a test. And uh, at eight points of Vietnam uh, preference, and 30 days later, I was an air traffic controller doing trading down in Decatur, Illinois. Uh, become a chapter president down there, drug my KR, and uh, was uh, finishing that. And uh, then I transferred up to Decatur, Illinois, as a controller, and there I built a PDQ-2, which is a, kind of an open-air Benson gyrocopter type of frame with wings on it and the Volkswagen engine. So uh, I started the first air show uh, through the tower uh, solely at Decatur, Illinois, and uh, so it was a big, big deal for the, uh, the local community. Uh, out of that, I was... Uh, bidding for jobs and uh, 
uh, the FAA found out that I was, uh, I started the air show, so they allowed me to go to Toledo, Ohio as an air traffic controller in the Tracon. Uh, there I, uh, I built a Minimax uh, in my spare time along with the pits, and I was uh, chapter president of the local chapter here as well. Um, during the time uh, back at blowing the canopies, I was contracted by the military with a team to build the first unmanned aerial vehicle. And uh, it was probably one of my better jobs, big model airplanes, and uh, you get to go out and fly them into radar sites and cross-country, and uh, it, was, it was quite enjoyable. So um, I was involved in the union at Toledo Air Traffic Control Tower, and uh, we started talking strike in uh, the early 80s, 79, 80s. And I decided I need to do something for when we get go on strike, I can still make a living. So I, uh, flying corporate on the side, I would go down to the library and I'd get every book I could on propellers and the math for props. And uh, when I'd wait for packs to come back, I would study on how to build propellers. Looking at, my, at the competitors in sport aviation, there was only a couple prop makers, so I figured that was a good market to get into. So I, uh, I built a few props and uh, advertised them on a PDQ newsletter that I was writing, and somebody bought one, and uh, it just started growing from there. So um, it was an easy process to get into. I built props about uh, one a month starting uh, the company, and uh, it rapidly grew to about one a week. And... Uh, we had a theft in our garage, and uh, the insurance company came over to, to look at it. And uh, being proud of my company, I drug them to the basement and showed them my propeller-making facility. And they, uh, a couple of days later, sent me a letter canceling all my insurance because I was operating a business out of my home. So I bought a, a building in the, one of the local communities, and I'm still at that location in White House, Ohio. So it's uh, it's it's uh, a neat little company. I get to talk to uh, the people that uh, I enjoy, being in aviation, and get to produce a product that uh, works well, a decent price, and best of all, excellent customer service. Lonnie, how many people do you have um, building props now? I assume it's I, just not you no, making wood chips. Not. I have decided to keep this company under six employees, and uh, currently we have four, and I, I like it at four. It makes a nice family, uh, comfortable environment. Uh, we're not out to build every propeller there is in the world. We just want to make a living for everyone and uh, produce a, a great product. So, Lonnie, just to kind of put this in perspective, tell us a little bit about the scope and breadth of what you make props for. We build everything from... Uh, uh, 12-inch props that are three-blade with a very erotic design to keep them quiet for the FBI and the CIA. Uh, we build for NASA projects. Uh, we build for large companies uh, such as Boeing and Lockheed. Uh, we built the uh, first propellers for the flying car, the Terrafugia. Uh, we manufacture propellers for NASA wind tunnels. Uh, we do inspections on them, and uh, we do repairs. So we build everything from 12-inch all the way up to 30-foot 10-blade. And it's a very small facility. We only have a couple thousand square feet, uh, but we seem to manage. Lonnie, are you um, 
Are you doing any engineering yourself on those, uh, you know, like the Lockheed and the NASA for pops, or are you just given a design spec and you, uh, you, you cut to that? It goes both ways. Uh, a lot of times they will provide drawings and specs and, uh, uh we discuss some of the goods and bads points about them. And, uh, we come to some conclusion of what to design for. Uh, during my time off between flying culprit and uh, being fired as a controller, uh, I went back to uh, college uh, using my VA benefits and uh, brushed up on programming and uh, higher math. So it uh, allows me to do just about all the design work that uh, comes out of my facility. Saloni, so is this all prototype and experimental work or do you make anything for certified markets? We do not build anything for certified, even though some customers uh, use them on certified. But these, uh, the bulk of my business is prototype. Uh, we very seldom stock any propellers uh, because nearly everything we do are one of a kind. And uh, with the exception of the Sonics, uh, the RVs, uh, uh, the Glass Airs, Glass Stars, aircraft like that. But uh, the majority of my business is prototyping. So if I were to order a new Prince prop, is it going to come just off the shelf or are you going to have to cut it and, and finish it before you deliver? Uh, most of them are per order, about a seven-week backlog. Uh, we do stock a few, so it depends on what prop that you want. Right now, uh, we currently have some 44, 46 pitches for the Aero-V and uh, Jabiru and also some 60-inch uh, pitches for the Jabiru 3300s. Solani, uh what do you, what's your average production rate that you're making and sending out per week? We're, set, we're doing about two propellers a day, and okay. uh, that's a comfortable rate for us. Uh, we're capable of doing more. We uh, I built a CNC, and uh, the CNC is capable on a Sonics prop of cutting in six a day. It's um, the finishing um, process that takes a while. Uh, the finishing process takes nearly a week, the time you wait for adhesives to cure and coatings to cure. And do you have plenty of slack to do uh, service? You know, if I send my prop in to get it refinished, it just kind of goes into the queue uh, as, uh, uh, as needed? Uh, refinish work, uh, repairs, uh, we try to get those out, back out the door as quickly as we can. And we do have that slack that we can work on that prop. I, I'm asking because uh, mine needs a little bit of TLC to make it pretty <laughs> uh, looking brand new again. Because I, I I put about 400 hours on mine, and wow. I, I fly a lot of uh, gravel, and I picked up a few stones and things. So it okay. could use a little TLC. Yeah, we had a older leaning edge protector uh, years ago, and it was subject to chipping. Uh, we're currently using a urethane, and. Uh, we use urethane over metal because we don't want any denting in the propeller. Uh, we have so much flexibility in our props due to the pitch changing that it would restrict that pitch changing capability. And uh, uh, it keeps the airfoil nice and clean, so it, it works well. In fact, I'm about to uh, give an unlimited warranty on the leaning edge protector that works so well. So, Lonnie, as far as the company goes... Any any really big contracts or anything uh, any big achievements or bragging rights that you wanna you wanna tell us about? <laughs> oh gosh, we've had so many. Uh, <laughs> so some of the NASA stuff, we have achieved a 0.92 percent efficiency on propellers. These are very 
slick, very fast aircraft flown out in Sandia's test range. Uh, uh, of course, the wind tunnel things are kind of uh, interesting for us, uh, just due to the size and the weight of these uh, uh, blades, uh, blades in the neighborhood of uh, four to 500 pounds and about two foot thick at the root. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the Terra Fuji car, we uh, put props in uh, museums. We've got props in the Smithsonian. Uh, we've built for Peter Jackson. Uh, he likes uh, antique airplanes. He's the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, uh, director. And uh, uh, just projects that come and go. There's, there's so many, and I go back and I looked at some of our props, which is nearing uh, 10,000 propellers now. Uh, it's, it's, I forget about so many that, uh, we've had such neat, uh, uh, engagement with. And I think you had mentioned that you can take an existing prop and then duplicate it. So for restorations or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we do that. Uh, as, as the manufacturer is no longer alive, then we will produce, we can reproduce that prop, but we don't want to take a business away from, uh, somebody that's worked most of their life trying to create a product and a profit. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So getting kind of into the, the design and construction, you mentioned a couple of things which I want to dig into. So when you take one of your props, especially the P-tip prop, you take a P-tip and you put it next to a, a classic sort of profile of a GA, it looks quite a bit different. And, and <laughs> tell us why your props look different than other people's. It's due to the pitch changing capability of the propeller. These props, on a Sonics prop, is going to give you three, maybe four inches of pitch change. Pitch will be low at takeoff, and it will go back to the carve setting when you're in a cruise condition. And the way this works is if you look at a prop on a turbulent day when the pilot's running up at high RPMs, when the turbulent hits it, you'll see that prop wavering forward and aft. And... Uh, uh, what's happening is the, the prop is, is gripping the air, and when it grips the air, it pulls it forward. You also see it when the airplane is just starting its takeoff roll, the tips will pull forward. So um, we take advantage of the pitch change by the shape of the blade. So there is a center line uh, of uh, goes through the propeller, and uh, the thrust is on that center line. However, due to the sweep, the thrust is after that center line. So when that prop pulls forward, it pulls the trailing edge forward and then pitches the propeller. So your greatest forward pull on a propeller is uh, at a high RPM and a low airspeed. So you get the best advantage as soon as you release the brakes. That's going to give you the best pitch change. As you increase in speed, the forward pull reduces on the face of the blade. So it will start going back to the cruised or the carved setting. If you design it for 140 miles an hour and it reaches 140 miles an hour, there is virtually zero pull in the face of that blade. So that allows that uh, pitch to go back to the carved setting, which is a higher pitch. So we can design a uh, propeller that is fixed pitch, but will give you a good top speed, but doesn't penalize you too much for the takeoff roll because of that pitch changing. Additionally, we use a, a vortex tip. Oh, on the end of our blade, it looks like you bend the tip toward the tail of the aircraft. And that was a, uh, a NASA design back in the early 80s. And uh, I just decided to put it on a propeller, and it works well. And what it does, when we put this in a wind tunnel and blow smoke through it, 
a P-tip propeller, the air coming out of this 54-inch prop, will give you a 54-inch column of air coming out of the blade. If you take the same propeller and you cut the tips off, the air goes over the tip, tucks down behind the propeller, and gives you uh, about a 50-inch diameter column. So that volume of air is what you need for better takeoff and climb. And uh, additionally, what that tip does is reduce the vortices that come off the tip, just like you see on the airliners. You see the vortex tips on them these days. And uh, the vortice will attach itself to the propeller, which causes uh, uh, more drag, so the engine has to work harder to get to that RPM. And additionally, when you have that vortice, the next blade will come around and it will smack that vortice and make noise. And uh, when you have the vortex tip on it, the vortice is still there, but it does not attach itself to the propeller, uh, just like it does on a wing. It delays the vortice. So that allows clean air instead of turbulated air to go over that airfoil section and produce uh, thrust or lift. So, so the P-tip is really cleaning up your tip losses is what you're saying? Yes, it does. Well, I've, I've got a few comments about the P-tip also. Okay. But as a, as a user, um, the P-tip has – I have a scar on my belly from the P-tip from just <laughs> walking around the airplane and catching that sharp tip. On my belly, and I've done it more than once. So yes, that my wife—that's a danger com- factor. My wife has commented many times of me coming home with holes in my shirt because yeah, I walk around it, them when they're on the carving table, and it grabs me. So, and, and the other one is when I'm. <laughs> well, the other uh, hazard is that when you're filling up at the uh, FBO on, especially doing a cross country, people will come up to you and go, "Damn, <laughs> you had a ground strike!" And I said, "Yeah, well, the plane." The prop comes pre-ground strike, so I have to worry about it. <laughs> We've had DFA contact us twice. They red-tagged airplanes at airports before because they thought the very same. Even though there was no scrapes or uh, any Mars on the tip, they uh, didn't realize that's the way it was manufactured. Yeah, my only comment is you need to soften the, the that very back edge of it because that sharp edge, man, it catches you. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> so Lonnie, how do you build the P-tip? Is is this the wood that's actually bent or is it all carbon or how do you do that? No, it's a kind of a wires and mirror thing, but it's not bent wood. It is uh we actually carve that right in the propeller as we carve the propeller. And uh, not all props are carved on the uh, CNC. We uh it takes a long time to write a program and then to prove that program so if it's only one or two we'll just hand carve the prop which actually i'm faster than the cnc but i don't think the cnc hurts as much as i do as becoming an older guy uh working all day on these things but i I can carve a sonics prop in uh, a couple hours so the p-tip is actually a wood core also it's not an after Mm -hmm. an an addition okay no that's a it's a maple prop isn't it it is a, a hard maple uh, the Sonics uh, 2200 has uh, eight laminations in it, and the 3300, I think, has six. Uh, we will bring the lumber in. We have it. Uh, uh, we give specs to the uh, the mill, tell them what uh, what we want, and then we will pull out everything that doesn't look like a uh, or take off everything that doesn't look like a propeller when we pull it out of the lamination. Now we want two or three laminations going out to the tip, so. To do that, depending on the pitch, we have to resaw the wood into a thinner laminate. And that's why we use eight laminates on the uh, Sonics, because we need 
to uh, create at least two to three laminates at the tip. If not, then it will warp. So when you laminate, it not only provides strength, but it also, uh, the laminations will fight one another as they change uh, due to humidity. And uh, uh, that way we don't get any warpage at the airfoil. And and uh, Lonnie, tell us about your carbon props versus your wood props. <clears throat> carbon prop works a little bit better. I mean, the wood props work well. Uh, they're uh, uh, two to $300 less expensive, but they're more subject to damage. The uh, We get uh, wood props back in our facility all the time, especially pusher that uh, FOD's got into. Had it been a carbon, it would have taken the impact and just scratched the surface. But uh, performance-wise, the carbon is a little bit uh, uh, better performing. When we build a carbon prop, it's virtually the same propeller as a wood prop with the exception of we make the prop thinner and uh, we then reinforce it with uh, six layers of carbon fiber and we uh, uh, and still the prop is thinner than a wood so we will add an inch or two of pitch depending on the prop more than what the wood prop would be because we have less drag and we can bring that drag back in with pitch which creates forward velocity and uh uh, we just call the props all the same number. We know in the shop that uh, what they are uh, uh, pitch-wise, but we call them the same number to eliminate confusion to the customer. It's difficult well, already to go to a, a uh, to a prop manufacturer and uh, and uh, be very knowledgeable about what prop you need. So we try to make it as simply as uh, possible. Well, I have the carbon prop, and uh, so that the the top coat finish is an epoxy we um we will vacuum bag the carbon over top of the wood core and then we will sand that down and then the top coating is actually urethane it's an automotive urethane oh okay and we're going to make yours look brand new and pretty again when you get it over to us oh i will i just (laughs) don't want to take my plane down but i do have that spare prop to put (laughs) on there um, one thing I have noticed, though, um, and, and Jeff can talk about the Sensenich, but uh, I've flown through rain a few t- times, and I was always really worried that I was going to abrate the uh, the prop flying through the water. Um, every time, I just have a really super clean prop, and I don't see any damage to it. But yeah. I think uh, Jeff can talk about what happened to his print or his uh, Sensenich in the rain. And do you have the same kind of problem with? Uh, painted props versus your uh, the carbon fiber urethane. No, the uh, the painted system is the same uh, on a wood prop as it is the carbon prop, and uh, we have little problems. If you get into a moderate to heavy rain and and uh, keep running at high RPMs, you're going to remove anybody's coating. But uh, the coating that we're using is an anti graffiti coating, so it's it's tough. And uh, with the new leaning edge protector, you should never get to the wood of the propeller. Uh, we've been using it on amphibious aircraft, and uh, that is the, the best test for how well the prop's going to stand up. Uh, we do offer uh, uh, for propellers a tape. It's, used, it's a rotor blade tape used on helicopters, and uh, we sell a kit for $45. That has all the tools in it, and it's customer applied. And that will uh, pretty well eliminate any erosion that you have due to... Uh, sand or snow or rain so john mentioned um 
my experience with the Sensenich prop. I was coming back from Oshkosh and I was skirting around a, a line of thunderstorms and I was flying through light rain for probably about 45 minutes. Light rain being it was kind of beating up and, and running off of the canopy, but not just like pouring and pouring. And when I landed and got out at my, my fuel stop, I noticed that the sound was different as I was coming down and landing. And, and when I stopped over at the fuel pump, I got my first look at what had happened to the prop itself. And there mm. were big flaps of the exterior black paint that Sensenex uses on the prop. They use a really heavy catalyzed, like urethane, two-part urethane paint. Mm. Very durable, very strong, but it had gotten underneath the paint and separated it from the primer layer below. And so they were like big flaps that were fluttering on the prop as I was flying through the rain. And so Mm. I literally peeled big long strips of it off and used my knife to kind of cut them free. And, uh, and I had to try to dress the tips on the ramp as much as I could to be able to get it flyable again and get home. Hmm. So when I got home, I pulled the prop off and brought it back to the house. And then I sat in front of the TV for about an hour peeling the remainder of the, the <laughs> urethane paint off. Yeah. Then he, then he called me up and said, hey, can I try your prop out? <laughs> well, good. <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, the better way would have been to sand it off. Use a random orbital sander and it would have kicked right off. But if you if you want a, a, a redo on that, uh, send it over and we'll make it uh, pretty again for you. Even though it's uh, Brand X. Yeah, I, I might need to take you up on that. I uh, I, I don't want to. You know, this is not the intent of this is not to disparage Sensenic. Um, no, they offered to fix it and all that. But um, yeah. at the time, I didn't I didn't want to go down any longer than I needed to. So I just did it myself. Yeah, I, I honor those folks. Uh, they're they're good people. They've had a, a great prop business for a long time, and uh, I think they think well of me uh, when they get projects that they don't want to do. Uh, for instance, some of the wind tunnel projects, uh, they'll send that business over to our facility. So it's uh, I, I think highly of them. I think they uh, are good good folks. Well, Lonnie, let's go into that a little bit. Um, with the boom of the, the drones, especially in the military, mm-hmm. are you, both you and Sensenich, getting saturated with orders for, uh, you know, smaller uh, props like this that aren't for yeah. general aviation? Yeah, oh yeah, that's, uh, up until this year, that was uh, a big bulk of our business was the drone props. And uh, we were building everything from uh, three blades, 68 inch, all the way down to 12 inch. And just depend on the uh, the mission of the aircraft. Uh, this year we haven't seen too much. However, this is the time that uh, we usually start getting the military work in. And does that take uh, priority over your uh, your retail, you know, general aviation stuff or no. experimental? It's uh, my idea of running a company is being the best you can to the person that uh, pays for your service, and it's a first come first serve. Even we we have a uh, uh, an offer for folks that need a prop right now. It, it takes us about a week to build a propeller, and uh, people that don't want to wait during that time, we have a option of a 14 business day delivery, but that option costs 50 percent more. And surprisingly, uh, quite a few people take advantage of that, but we don't put those ahead of our normal props. Uh, our employees like to earn extra money, so they'll work weekends and evenings to produce those propellers. Okay, so that just goes into gravy for your guys for overtime then? Yeah, sure does. 
Okay. Well, that's good. good. That's a that's a real stand up way to do that. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Good job. Uh, Thank you. Lonnie, the, the, I noticed that you have the P-tip and now you have the elliptical prop. Tell us about the differences between those two. Well, the elliptical prop, uh, we don't produce unless the customer wants it. We don't stock any of those at all. Uh, that prop was um, uh, designed to compete with a, a lower cost manufacturer, major manufacturer in, in building props for Sensenic. <laughs> I mean, uh, for Sonics, which was a Sensenic company. And we was asked to produce it, so that's the prop we produced. That elliptical prop will give you similar speeds to the P-tip, but you lose and take off and climb. There is virtually no uh, pitch-changing capability on that propeller. And further, it has a pointed tip, and uh, that pointed tip uh, gives you very little thrust uh, in that area because of the small airfoil. So it works well. It looks kind of neat. I like the look of it, but it doesn't produce the performance as uh, our uh, brand, which is the P-tip. Our buddy Derry had one of those ellipticals. He won at Crossville from you. Uh, uh, so I've seen it, and he was real uh, happy with it. Good. Yeah, people seem to be happy with it. Uh, uh, it's just uh, we, we like to build our brand, which is the P-tip. Are you... Uh, are you at all thinking about going into where Sensenich was um, with adjustable props for light sport? So we could have a, you know, we could dial it whatever we wanted out of it. Yeah, I have, uh, but I discount uh, the idea. The, the problems that I've seen over the 39 years of business is companies that have gone into controllable pitch as well as ground adjustable uh, has problems. Uh, either it's uh, customer uh, uh, not paying attention to, to properly install the propeller, or it's uh, actually failure of the prop. So, I, and those companies are out of business, just like Great American. And uh, I have no desire to uh, to entertain that. Uh, we do well with a fixed pitch, and that's uh, where I'd like to stay. Well, Lonnie, let's delve into some specific info about Sonics okay. props. So, uh, just tell us what what engines do you serve? What customers, you know, have you have you made props for that are flying Sonics? And just kind of break down your offerings. We've got. Uh, I, I would imagine we've got close to a couple hundred Sonics props out there. Um, we build for all engines. We're prototypers. So, if somebody wanted to put a rubber band in the Sonics, we would build a prop for it. Uh, we take the um, the values, uh, the basic values of RPM at the propeller, the horsepower, and uh, airspeed. And from that, my program will calculate the propeller. And then you get into more details like maximum diameters and uh, other factors. But um, that's all we need to design the prop. So we've built, uh, guys, for the Sonics, all the Volkswagen-based engines, including the Revmaster, uh, the um, the uh, what the heck? It's IO two sixties and the three sixties. Um, I can't think of any other engines that we have manufactured. Uh, oh, Corvair. So we we'll build for any condition, and if that condition uh, it sounds reasonable, and uh, this prop doesn't work, just get it back to us, and we'll uh, build you a new one. Lonnie, when you're when you're thinking about those uh, prototyping for a, uh, an engine, what parameters are you using to design that prop? I mean, when the Turbo Aerobee came out, 
I mean, that's a whole different gig. We didn't know what it was going to perform like. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're going to have some, you know, back and forth with a, the first uh, flyers of it to see what's the best pitch and everything for it. How do you go through yeah, that? We, we had, and we built a couple different uh, designs for the turbo. Uh, the first one worked well, and the second one worked better. But the design criteria is how the customer is going to treat this. Are they going to fly high altitude? High altitude, thin air requires a little different uh, shape of the blade, more blade area. And a guy flying below 8,000 feet uh, requires a different parameter as well. So we, we first ask the customer what type of flying that they plan to do. Some customers don't want to go fast in a Sonics. They want to get out of their short airstrip. So we'll design a propeller to meet that condition, which means a little bit more diameter uh, and somewhat less pitch. The factory lists the propeller maximum diameter at 54 inches, mm-hmm. but um, uh, there have been people who have gone outside of that that recommendation with the Rotax prop, or uh, I think there was a guy with an O200 that, that put a, a, a much bigger prop on his. Wow. Uh, just kind of off the top of your head, does everybody seem to stay with 54 inch, or do they experiment by maybe going to a slightly larger diameter? Few people experiment. Uh, they asked uh, the prop maker, what, what do you think will work? And uh, then I advise them uh, what I think will work. And uh, if we're all wrong, then we'll make modifications to the prop. So we've uh, put up to uh, 58-inch props on the Sonics with very low pitches, uh, clear down to 38-inch pitch. I wanted to get out of his grass trip. had obstructions at the end, so uh, he just wanted to fly it. He wasn't interested for me to be how fast he could get there. Okay, so that's a particular case, um, mm-hmm. short takeoff and max climb. Yep. Uh, do you think 54 is, is pretty much the sweet spot for everybody else? It is, because most of these engines are – 3,300 RPM engines. Uh, we are building for the Rotex, which is a, a different uh, monster because it turns slow. So we have to consider uh, a higher pitch and uh, try not to get too much more in the diameter. So we have to make that drag up with uh, extra blade area or go to a multi-blade, which I'm, I'm not an advocate of. If we can load that engine with two blades, uh, there's no need to go to a, a multi-blade prop other than sex appeal. Can you can you go into that? I mean, I always hear this, and it's almost like religion to me. Is you know, people's opinions are very, very much uh, <laughs> set in them. Yeah. The multi-blade versus the the, the two-blade. Um, can you just give us your idea of of the pluses and minuses on that? Yeah, the uh, the pluses is. It's sexy. There's nothing like a three-bladed prop look. Um, uh, the other one is is that we can build a, sh- uh, for instance, on a engine like the Rotex, we can build a shorter diameter where it should actually be a larger diameter, but we can't because of ground clearance. We have to go to a multi-blade to re- load that engine. So uh, that is an advantage. The disadvantage is it's an expensive propeller. For my company, it's three times more than a two-blade. Uh, then you got to ship it by freight, which is another large expense. And uh, uh, I, I don't see the need of it when you can use a two blade to give you the uh, the better performance. Yeah, this is an area where like warp drive has a huge advantage. You know, you three three blades are all identical. You just smack them into the hub and bolt them <laughs> up and go. If you look well, at the, a- uh, <laughs> not not cutting uh, my competitors, but 
if you look at those types of plastic props, uh, for one, uh, you have to be very careful on a four-cylinder Volkswagen engine using them. Uh, and I'm saying this from articles out of Sport Aviation, where crankshafts break uh, due to a solid substrate propeller. And uh, uh, if you look at a prop like that, they have very little helical twist. So it's, it's a propeller, it's a generic prop used for every application, and you bring in the drag by however much pitch you can put into the blade. If you put a two-blade prop of that style on this engine, you can't hold the power back, you can't get the pitch. It's unlikely you'll get the pitch high enough and still get a performance out of it. So you have to load with an additional blade. It'd be the same for us. If we build a very narrow blade, that uh, has little uh, helical twist, then we would have the same condition. We would have to add some type of drag to hold the power of the motor back, so you add another blade. And you see that on the big airplanes, like the P-51s. Uh, they've got, and Corsairs, they've got 13-foot propellers. They still couldn't hold back at 1,600 horsepower, so they had to add blades to, to hold that power back or to turn it into thrust. Okay, well, you've kind of convinced me that my two-bladed, I'm not feeling, uh, you know, insufficient <laughs> on it. Yeah, I, I will say, though, uh, on the ramp, people will come up and caress the two-bladed prints over the two-bladed <laughs> sensinage. Oh, well, that's that's nice to hear. I <laughs> it's just sexier. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> and Jeff gets jealous. Yeah, you get caressed everywhere we go, so. <laughs> well, that, my speed, Cal, and my, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to, don't take too much away from my competitor. They're good folks. <laughs> no, they're good folks. I just yeah. really like my Prince Pro. Oh, thank you. With the pre-bend <laughs> tips. <laughs> good. All right, Lonnie, so if um, if somebody orders a prop, say I, I get on the website and I say, oh, 5460 is what I need. Yep. I, I buy that prop, I slap it on. And then it's it's flying okay, but I'm hitting red line in high-speed cruise. Mm-hmm. What can you do about it? That's happened a couple times. Um, I, a couple of the engine manufacturers that put VW-based engines together uh, tell me that all engines, even though they're all brand-new parts, do not they're not created equal. Some produce less power than others. And... Uh, or if you have a very slippery airplane, the RPMs are going to be different. So if you, and this has happened a couple of times, we've had 5460s on the Jab 3300 that uh, actually redlined. So I just have the customer send the prop back or keep it and we'll build a new one. And when he gets a new one, he sends the old one back. And what we do is increase the pitch. And uh, most cases, uh, when I see this, uh, we will go with the 62 inch pitch. And I don't think the airplanes are flying any faster. I just think we're loading the engine a little bit uh, more appropriately. So it's a, it's it's a kind of a no hassle with us. Um, uh, I enjoy this market. I, I want uh, people to enjoy our product. And uh, the last thing in the world you want to do is upset a customer by being stringent with uh, warranty. So we still service props that were built back in the, the early uh 80s and 90s. Uh, they you know, it takes some guys forever to build an airplane, and uh, they finally use uh, the propeller and find that it doesn't uh, work exactly the way it should. So we'll take it back, and some of the bigger ones we can modify, but we don't. Uh, we just replace the Sonics props. And I don't see how 
you know, you could ask for a better, better uh, service and warranty than uh, treating a customer like that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, knowing that the prop manufacturer is going to stand behind you takes a big load off your mind. So Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a difficult purchase, and it's so easy to uh, make a mistake, and you end up with a $1,500 piece of art that hangs on the wall. And uh, I, I just don't uh, uh, agree with the concept of not being able to provide that service. I chuckle, uh, Lonnie. Um, when I bought my, my engine for my aircraft from uh, from another it had a, a beautiful Sensenich uh, clear finished prop mm-hmm. on it. That prop is hanging in my living room because it's gorgeous. <laughs> it doesn't fit sense. on my Sonics, but it, it's, oh. <laughs> uh, it's a gorgeous prop. Uh, well, speaking of that, we, we also will uh, – our standard colors are black. It's uh, It looks good on airplanes. It matches any color schemes. Um, and it's easy for us. We, we just fill the gun with black paint and we spray everything. It gets in the way of the, the gun. And, uh, but we will custom to any colors. We've got them with um, cow spots on them and zebra stripes and any colors. And we'll do that. It's an it's additional charge of $75 per color. But we uh, often match the color scheme of uh, many of the customers' airplanes. Well, that's important because uh, my props are always blue, and I, I just can't go with a regular black prop. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, cool. but can you get blue carbon fiber? Uh, yes, yes, I can. Uh, it is uh, mixed with blue and black, but yeah, I can do it. Well, there you go, Jeff. That's your Christmas All right. <laughs> Good, good. <laughs> now, what I've been wanting to do is chrome, but I... Uh, I haven't found that process yet to make a chrome prop. There is a product on the market, but it is just not applicable to what we do. Yeah. Well, Lonnie, tell us about um, some real-world performance that people have reported. Yeah, this is a tough one because customers ask me this, and I'd rather uh, not tell them uh, what it does because that locks me in and makes me look bad if uh, for some reason this airplane doesn't reach that performance. But... Uh, I direct them toward the social media, uh, like the Sonics group, and ask that question from unbiased customers. So if somebody's got a gripe, you're going to hear it there, and uh, that'll bring up warnings of maybe you should look elsewhere to buy a product. doesn't matter if it's radios or, or what, but uh, uh, we have seen some good results. Uh, there's a, a gentleman that's flying a, um, a um, Force One engine with an elliptical prop, and he gets 160 miles an hour out of, on his YX. So that's at a high RPM, but he's getting it. And most people see um, over my competitors in the neighborhood of 10 miles an hour difference. Now, that always isn't true, and that's why I, I can't dictate. The customer call me up and says, my gosh, this thing is, is going like a, uh, a flash of lightning. Well, the flash of lightning may be due to things like airspeed indicator errors or instrument setup. So I try not to give performances. The same way with customer names. A customer will call me up and uh, ask for somebody that has a plane and an engine like he has, and would I give them their names? I used to until a couple times somebody's threatened to sue us for giving information out. So I don't do that. And besides, when you ask the manufacturer that's really hungry for your money um, uh, to provide a name of somebody. Well, the manufacturer's going to be crazy not to pick the best guy out there so he can uh, 
say good things and then you get the guy's money. So it's best to stay with social media and ask the questions. Well, I'm going to just tell my story here and I'll, I'll preface it by saying I, I am still currently flying my Sensenic prop. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I flew through the rain and I had to pull that prop off and refinish it, it was a perfect time to try out some other props, especially since I was down for um, a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So John had that that extra prop that he bought, that extra Prince prop. Okay. And so he put that one on his airplane and his original prop was sitting against the wall in the hangar. And, and so I put his prop on my airplane Okay. and I had flown my prop, uh, you know, right up until the time of going to Oshkosh. And I had done all of my performance testing and all that. And so I, I knew how my prop was, was flying. I had just done some, some climb and descent series and I had good data. Okay. So I went back out. And I repeated those same tests, same airport, same basic time of year, maybe a a month earlier. And uh, I collected a full climb and descent series on the Prince prop and then analyzed that data. And then about the time I finished those those tests and just flying around his prop, my prop was refinished. And so I swapped it off. I pulled John's prop, gave it back to him, put my Sensenic back on, and I went back out almost, you know, like the next day type situation Mm -hmm. and flew my repaired Sensenic. And did a climb descent series and, and analyzed the data. So I had three different data sets. My original data set, the Prince data set, and the new Sensenic data set. And, uh, and so I, I, I feel like I got an extremely good apples to apples comparison. Okay. And what I found was my rate of climb varied just a little bit. We're talking perhaps 2% between the Sensenic and the Prince. Oh. Um, measurable, but but very minor differences. And the Sensenic was outclimbing the Prince by about 2%, you know, maybe 50 yard, 50 feet per minute type thing. Okay. Uh, n- not a lot. Uh, measurable, but, but slightly lower. But in top speed, there was no comparison. The Prince was at least 10 miles an hour faster at full throttle than the Sensenic. Wow. And just had that very smooth, uh, really, really nice feel to it. Sounded great. So 10 miles an hour on the top end for giving up, perhaps 50 feet per minute on, on a rate of climb. Wow. That just about pay for itself in fuel over time. Yeah. That's how you justify it to the wife when you buy one from us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. That uh, we always strive to uh, do the best we can. Yeah. And our buddy, Jim Hickey, uh, he just took his Sonics up to Alaska this past summer and in preparation for getting his his kit together and his plane ready and all that, he put a new Prince prop on his, and uh, he said he loved it. Same type of thing. He was seeing smooth, very nice operation, and he said he just loved the speed. Wow. Uh, I forget what he said, but he said it was it was noticeably faster, and that's well, what he needed for going to Alaska and back. Yeah. Let me give you the Jim Hickey story because Jim Hickey has a Prince prop because of me, and so <laughs> Lonnie, I need I need a little little kickback on that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, Jim. Jim and I had. Uh, we'll we give had you the free tour of the factory for that. There we go. Okay, that's what I want. Um, Jim and I had rendezvoused uh, prior to Oshkosh a couple of years ago at uh, at Reedsburg, uh, Wisconsin. Okay, and uh, overnighted, and I had my son with me. We were f- at full gross capacity. He had he'd been traveling across the country, so his plane was completely loaded up. We took off together off the runway, you know, 15 feet apart. Mm-hmm. I was behind him. He had a Sensenich prop on at the time. And we both had Jabru 3300s, both Way-Xs, so we're both the same exact design. 
I didn't have my speed cowl on yet, so you know I couldn't blame it on that. And my son and I out climbed climbed him on the outside and pulled ahead of him. Oh my god! On the takeoff, <laughs> and uh, he he radioed and he goes, it, "You got a prince, right?" And I guess yeah. And he goes, "Okay." Uh, <laughs> and two years later, he put a prince on his plane wow. because of that. Hell nice. So I'm, I'm, that's my thing is why he's on a prince. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> we like to call John a bad influence. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Lonnie, uh, John already alluded to this, but um, it, what, what do you do about keeping your prop running uh, smooth about making the sure the finish is good about handling small nicks and grape scrapes and stone marks. What what do we need to be doing as as customers? And when is it time to send it back to you? Well, you never have to send it back to me unless the coating or something else goes wrong. You get large chips in it. That prop, if uh, serviced, will last indefinitely. I mean, we get props back from day one. The very first prop I ever made for a customer, we have recently uh, again for the third time refinished it. And uh, uh, he works off of grass. He gets very little uh, uh, fought into the prop, so it's it should last forever. What is a killer on these is if moisture gets into the propeller. The moisture, or if you get oil, a leaky crank or something, the oil gets into the prop. It gets slung out to the tips, and it starts lifting uh, coatings off. And uh, that's, that's uh, something that you have to keep an eye on. Carbon fiber props, not so much because you very seldom penetrate the carbon to get to the wood, but a wood prop. Uh, if you get uh, nicks in it, then they should be sealed. And you can seal them with any coatings, uh, CA glues, epoxies of any type, uh, paint, anything to seal that to keep the moisture out. Uh, you always want to retorque a, a wood prop. So when it comes oil change time, loosen up the nuts and then retorque them. And uh, on our props, the torque values are at the root of the blade on a placard. So uh, you want to track the prop after you um, uh, retorque it to be sure it tracks within an eighth of an inch. And you want to measure somewhere between three and four inches in from the tip. The tip, uh, uh, is uh, they'll be a little different between tips because there's a hand operation involved there and uh, uh, maybe not so perfect every time of making them exactly the same. So you'll want to measure on the trailing edge side three to four inches rotate the prop around and be sure that trailing edge on both props track within an eighth of an inch and it should run smooth. If you ever get a Prince prop that uh, doesn't run smooth, let us know because we're well known for these props uh, running exceptionally, uh, almost turbine smooth. So uh, Nick wise, if you get Nick's again, seal them up. Uh, if you get large Nick's, send us a picture uh, we'll give you the best advantage how you can field repair and uh, keep flying until you can get the prop down and get it properly repaired by us. And usually it's just a, a matter of uh, like divots in the leaning edge. Uh, ours or other people's propellers use a JB weld and uh, dam up the area that needs to be filled and just put this JB weld in it and then sand it back smooth. As far as finish, um, any cleaners will work. Uh, the, this is a tough uh, two-part system urethane that we use on the props so you can wipe them down with um, I wouldn't go anything stronger than a lacquer thinner but uh, waxes usually take care of uh, 
any dirts or grease or garbage on the on the blades. Wax them and uh, try not to use a wax that has silicone. So if the prop needs repaired, we don't we just don't uh, uh, like the silicone trying to get it removed. So we can get a good uh, new coat of uh, uh, paint on it. And is there ever a reason to um, to pull the the prop off and check the static balance? No, no, you, the, the props stay in balance. Uh, you may notice uh, setting a period of time that uh, even if you set them horizontal or vertical, they'll vibrate a little bit. But over a period of time, the moisture that is, there's an 8% moisture content in, in the wood that we use. We buy it at 6. The time at ambient uh, sets around, it will get about an 8%. And uh, uh, that will stay rather constant unless moisture gets into the propeller. But um, uh, usually there's no reason why it should go out of balance other than the moisture displacing uh, because the blade's low. When, uh, when the prop sits horizontal, uh, the moisture will eventually, if it sets for months, will drain to the lower side of the blade. And you'll get an abnormal amount of vibration, but it should work itself out once the, uh, the moisture gets through the pore of the wood. Lonnie, when you say... Uh to retorque the the prop, I've, I've heard stories of uh, with a wood prop to back off the the torque on all the prop bolts, and then wait a period of time for the wood to kind of uh, recoil or rebound before you <laughs> retorque. Is that is that true? Is that yeah. is that a wife's tale? I I can't say yay or nay, but uh, I don't think it's necessary. I think all you need to do is loosen up all the nuts. And that's where you want to do the torque if you if you can get into that area and torque the nuts back. And you want to use a pattern that goes um, across the center to one nut and then keep going across the center. Don't start at one and go in a clock position all the way around. But no, I, I haven't heard of the of that. And uh, I kind of doubt it that it's true because we we get a lot of props that come back that are very, very compressed and to the point of almost uh, de uh, destroying the fiber of the wood. And there's no change in the thickness. But uh, and if the torque settings we're talking about, it's, it's not that much to crush the wood. No, it isn't. Right. Uh, that's right. Especially the guys with um, uh, the Revmaster. It uses 3 8 bolts. So it's a lot easier to crush the wood than it is for the 5 16 bolts. Which is another thing. Um, the Jabaroos, some of them came out with quarter-inch bolts, and I strongly recommend going to the 516. You can buy new lugs or you can drill the existing lugs out, but I, I would not use the quarter-inch bolts that some of the earlier engines had. Yeah, and I think I had to actually drill my um, my prop bushings. I think that's what, what Ben and uh, Pete at Jabaroo recommend doing is is not using the quarter-inch. They say that's a on Australia, the Jabiru Australia thing, and they drill them up to 516th also. And I'm kind of wondering about the new Jabiru 3300. I'm told that it uses a 4-inch bolt circle, so I'm a little uh, curious if that's true. I would rather see a larger bolt circle on a 120-horse engine with 3 8 bolts. So you're, you're, you're thinking it's a, a narrower bolt circle than the uh, my current 3300? Yeah, that's what I'm. Uh, customers are telling me that it's... Uh, placed the orders they haven't received engines yet but uh no the jabiru 3300 has a uh four and three eighths inch bolt circle which is typically a sae one 
uh, without uh, the drive lugs. So the further you can bolt that prop uh, from center, the more stable it's going to be. If you concentrate the bolt circle real close to the center, then that gyroscopic loading is uh, could play havoc on the, uh, the mounting. So since we're talking about prop bolts, two things come to mind. When you compare the bolt length for a Sonics with a Prince prop versus a Sensenic prop, those prop bolts are different lengths. The, the Sensenic hub is a thicker hub and requires a longer bolt by about two to three sizes. I forget exactly what it is, but it's two or three sizes of bolt. Yeah, I think you're right. The uh, I think the Sensenic is uh, two and three quarters thick, where ours is 2.25, two and a quarter. And the reason I have a thinner hub is that um, if we go with a thicker hub, it will require us to put a larger angle of uh, pitch on the inboard root side of the propeller. That inboard section is not producing much in the way of thrust, but it uh, absorbs engine power. So uh, we use a thinner hub to propeller so we can put less pitch in that area. And uh, uh, then we can drive a little bit more pitch in uh, uh, other areas for a performance enhancement. And that's another thing to think about as well. A customer says, well, Brand X prop has this pitch. That's what I want. And uh, again, it's, it's difficult for the end user because there's no way that uh, uh, all of us prop makers agree on what helical twist should be or even what angles the pitch should be. So if I would suggest listening to the prop maker because he knows his, his product. Another thing is that airfoils like on the Sensenic and some of the other blades are semi-symmetrical airfoils. Uh, we use a flat bottom. Our pitch is measured from the center of the cord of the leaning edge or the uh, center of the airfoil on the leaning edge to the center of the trailing edge. That is true for measuring a semi-symmetrical or symmetrical airfoil. You go to the center of the leaning edge at the center of the trailing edge. For the same uh, pitch, the angle is greater, and uh, so you'll end up with a different uh, style of prop, even though it's a uh, different style of performance, even though it is the uh, same, designated as the same pitch. Yeah, comparing uh, one brand to another using the, the numbers stamped on the blade is almost meaningless. You're right. you got to go with somebody who knows. Yeah, or at least somebody that will stand behind the product. Some, some uh, manufacturers, when you buy the prop, you're, you're pretty well stuck with it. And uh, so it's good to go to a manufacturer that um, if it doesn't work well, you've got some backup. Sensenic provides backup also. And then the other thing about prop bolts, we've seen a couple of reports on um, various people who have had some, some uh, corrosion on the prop bolts. Mm-hmm. So it's tied down on the ramp. It's exposed to the rain. <clears throat> the water gets in there and down inside the hub and sits against the prop bolt and corrodes it into the hole. Yeah. Uh, what do we need to do to prevent any kind of problems with bolts and holes? Get them out of the rain. <laughs> but uh, that's that's almost impossible. Uh, usually, uh, a lot of the prop bolts will corrode inside the uh, the prop hole because there's moisture in the propeller. Um, you will see prop bolts corrode on the outside because they're um, they're in the element. And uh, so you'll see the nuts and the washers and the heads rust. But I don't see too many that are corroded on the inside. But corrosion is not a good thing. It's it's a weakness. It's a metal deteriorating. Spend uh, 50 bucks and buy a new set of bolts. 
That's, that's cheap insurance. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And there's different bolts. Now, propeller bolts are nothing more than an AN bolt with a longer thread. So uh, you can use typical AN bolts for propeller mounting. And uh, the specs are all the same between a prop bolt and a um, AN bolt. Uh, we sell some grade 8 bolts uh, for the larger engines. And uh, they've been... Uh, tested and uh, the materials have been traced so we've been using them for years and it's uh, it versus uh, $85 to prop bolts which are about $300 a set we've never had a, a failure of, of any of our propellers or any of our bolts okay well Lonnie uh, I'm just kind of thinking about what you were saying about your elliptical versus your p-tip mm -hmm. and your wood versus your carbon fiber and it seems like the conclusion I'm drawing is you can buy an elliptical and maybe save a little bit of money, or you can buy a, a wood P-tip and maybe save a little money. But if you're gonna if you're gonna put that much money into a prop, you might as well spend a little bit more and get the Cadillac and the carbon fiber P-tip. I agree. Would that be a fair assessment? Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, like we talked earlier, uh, you'll get better performance out of it. You get better durability and uh, uh, the sex appeal. And, yeah, the, the uh, ramp ladies will talk to you longer. <laughs> I, I have threatened to uh, send sticks off so you can um, uh, beat off the ramp chicks when they're out there fondling your prop. Uh, a, a carbon fiber stick would be really cool <laughs> with a P-tip on it. That's funny. <laughs> Maybe on the next giveaway, I'll uh, I'll give a, a uh, offer a carbon fiber stick for a giveaway. Yeah, I'm hoping to attend more of the conferences like uh, Crossfield. That was that's uh, we was there three time giving programs, and uh, what a bunch of neat guys! It's a great program, great learning experience. Well, we have the Mile High Sonics fly in in Colorado, so you're always welcome to come for that. Oh, thank you very much, John. I'm going to have a decal made up that may or may not mysteriously appear on your airplane, <laughs> and and it's going to say. Prince propellers making ugly people more sexy one prop at a time. <laughs> that's funny. I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Does this prop make my butt look better? <laughs> <laughs> Depends where you put it, I guess. <laughs> well, Lonnie, uh, what's next for uh, Prince Aircraft? Oh, we're just going to continue as we're doing. We're always uh, looking for better ways uh, for manufacturing process, faster, better materials, so uh, the end user has uh, uh, less cost involved, for instance, uh, better coatings. And uh, always looking at things that will enhance the propeller. Um, we have tried so many things from wing fences on propellers over the years uh, to... Uh, different tip styles, different shapes, different cords. Um, played a little bit with uh, airfoils. I don't. I'm not an advocate of too many different airfoil shapes. It don't seem to make that much difference. Uh, the elliptical prop has a, a 63 series airfoil where uh, we have made them with flat bottom. I don't see any difference at all. Um, the P-tip has a flat bottom uh, 4400 series airfoil and uh, similar to an RAF-6 or a Clark Y. 
and uh, we do away with the Phillips entry on the Clark Y, which is a little rounded section on the bottom. Uh, better leaning edge materials, just things so we don't see the prop back. Uh, if a prop goes out and, it, and uh, there's issues of wear or something, it's, it's troublesome uh, and it's costly. Uh, we ask the customer to get it back to us. He has to pay the shipping. And then in most cases, we do a lot of these uh, repairs gratis because I just feel that somewhere we let the customer down and uh, we'll do the repairs at, uh, at our cost. And uh, it's too bad all companies don't do that. Oh, that's great, Monty. Uh, well, why don't you give us your final thoughts and uh, and tell us where to find out for more info on the web. Okay. Uh, PrinceAircraft.com. Uh, our website's been running and uh, very successfully for the years. Uh, my IT guy just gave me a new version today, which we'll, we'll have out, which gives more options when you're ordering the prop, uh, answers more questions. Um I would like to uh, give a Christmas gift or those that listen to this podcast. I think it's very important and very informative that folks uh, join in on groups like this. So I'd like to, uh, until the December, the end of the December, I'd like to give a 5% discount on any of our propellers. So uh, maybe that uh, uh, helps some folks and uh, we'll get some more of our props out there and and uh, other than that, uh, give me a call. We're at uh, 419-877-5557. We answer all questions and uh, entertain uh, any assistance that uh, we can provide. Jeff, do you need any more incentive to uh, to jump <laughs> over to the dark side? Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, slip a little something underneath the pillow. <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, yeah, about a seventy dollar uh, deal, a, a discount. So, not a lot, but uh, at least you can take your wife out for all that time you spend in the workshop or flying the airplane for a nice dinner. Yeah, well, that's great. Thanks for doing that, Lonnie. You're welcome. I'm sure that somebody will be able to take advantage of that. I hope. <laughs> all right, John. Any uh, any parting questions or parting comments for Lonnie? No, I think Lonnie's done a really good job of explaining his product and. And uh, I, I, as a, a Prince uh, a customer, and I can speak for Mike Niedenthal, who is also a Prince customer, we're both really happy with our product. Thank you. Well, Lonnie, and, and again, um, I really appreciate your support for, you know, specifically Sonics, but really just light airplanes and experimental airplanes and the light GA side. That's kind of where my passion lies. And you've been supporting us for for decades and i appreciate that thank you i enjoy it well good i I look forward to having you around uh for a good long time uh keeping us flying (laughs) (laughs) good (laughs) i I plan to be around for a while also (laughs) excellent (laughs) well that's that's a good point lonnie uh are you getting close to retirement do you have a secession plan are we going to get all strung out on your product and then uh, you drop <laughs> off to, to your earth? Well, you never know. You know, as guys are getting old, well, I'm getting old. I'll be uh, 70 in January. I still, the problem is I got a 20-year-old mind, so that keeps me really rolling. And uh, I don't plan to retire. I have, I have very dedicated employees that's been with me for a long time. They're, they're excellent craftsmen. They're dedicated, and uh, if I go, then most likely the company will go as well, and I, I can't do that. 
So, so we got we got twenty years more at least of good props. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. That covers my my, my need. So I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, as we wrap this up, uh, I just uh, got a quick quick comment here. So the Sonics flight 2017 listener feedback survey is open. So we want your feedback. Go to the website, log on to the survey. It's a, it's a very short 10-question survey. It takes about five minutes, seriously, about five minutes to complete. And we just want to know what you think, how you're listening, what topics you enjoy, and what do you want to hear more of. And don't be afraid to tell us if you, you don't think we're getting something right. We, we want to make sure this is enjoyable and informative, and um, sometimes we need that feedback. So get on there, take the survey, and tell us what you think. The link, and I'll put this link in the show notes. It's kind of a hard one to, to capture. But for anybody listening, the link is surveymonkey.com slash r slash t-h-v-k-h-k-s. And I know that's impossible to get, but there it is. Or you can go to the, the website, sonicsflight.com, or the show notes for this episode, and we'll have a link to that survey. Uh, also, um, if anybody would like to uh, visit our uh, little factory we certainly welcome. Just give us warning because we sometimes have a habit of just escaping to the airport and we may not be there. So if I know you're coming, uh, we'll certainly be there for you. We'll give you the 10-minute tour. It usually only takes about seven minutes. And uh, bring work clothes. That's because you're going to spend a shift building props. That's right. We're going right? to put you right to work <laughs> if you stay 11 minutes. <laughs> that's good yeah next time i'm out there i'm i'm coming to see you okay i'm looking forward to it <laughs> all right well thanks again lonnie i appreciate you taking the time and, and educating us uh, it's been really enjoyable to hear you describe your products thank you it's my pleasure our next show i i've been saying this for a couple of times now but we really are working up to it our next show's are going to be on some of these alternative engine options. So we've got Viking and Corvair in a box coming, and we're working to line up UL Power and Rotax. And hopefully we'll get Viking and Corvair here in the next month or two, and UL Power and Rotax certainly in the next few months. So be watching for that. And we're getting some great feedback on other topics that will probably pop up somewhere between before we're done with all the engine shows. You can visit us on the web at sonicsflight.com. You can find the show notes for this episode at sonicsflight.com slash 31. And uh, as always, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on iTunes or Google Play or, or find us in your favorite podcast app. And get on the website, take that survey, or send us an email directly at feedback at sonicsflight.com. We want to hear your topics. And we really want to talk you into coming on and being a guest because I found this to be true. No matter who you are, you have something interesting and unique to contribute, whether you're a beginner and it's a beginner's perspective or you have experience in some particular field. We want to hear it, and there's others out there that want to hear it too. So send us a note, tell us what your topic is, and we'll get you on to the rotation. With that, Lonnie, thanks again. Have a great week. Thank you. And uh, look forward to seeing you down the road. Okay. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys. 
The views and opinions expressed on the Sonic Slight podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of any individual, company, or organization mentioned on this program. Nothing presented on this podcast should be construed to be the official position or recommendation of anyone not directly associated with Sonic Slight. Anything that sounds like advice should be carefully considered before being implemented. Remember, you are the pilot in command.